Ladies and gentlemen, warning, spoilers ahead. In this courtroom, Mr. Miller, justice is blind to matters of race, creed, color, religion, and sexual orientation. With all due respect, Your Honor, we don't live in this courtroom, though, do we? Good evening, and welcome to television. Hello! Hey! Hey! Whoa! Hey! I'm Wayne Stellini. And I'm a Philip Hunting, and welcome to Fred Watch, where we view and review films, everything from the mainstream to the obscure. That's right, Philip, and welcome everyone to a special episode where we're commemorating World AIDS Day with the film that changed the way we looked at the HIV AIDS virus. It's Jonathan Demme's Philadelphia. Please explain. Philadelphia lawyer Andrew Beckett, Tom Hanks, is a senior associate at the city's largest corporate legal firm. However, he's fired shortly thereafter when one of the firm's partners notices a lesion on his forehead. Although attributed to having an attitude problem, Andrew knows that his dismissal is driven by bigotry. Desperate for legal counsel, Andrew approaches injury lawyer Joseph Miller, Denzel Washington, for a presentation. Reluctant at first, the homophobic Joseph ultimately agrees to take on Andrew's case, forcing him to look at his own prejudices as well as those within the case itself. So, Philip, were you on board with this case in Philadelphia? Well, first and foremost, I obviously hadn't seen this before, but it was always on my bucket list. It's one of those... Ones that everyone says, oh, you got to see it. Yeah. Sort of thing. It's a widely discussed film, isn't that's it? it? That's yeah. it. And so I actually think it's hype. I'm going to tread carefully here because I'm not trying to dismantle it at all. But it's hype definitely preceded its um, actualness, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And you know what, Philip? There's no need to tread carefully because this is a film that... I take on board a lot, but I have to say mm. I'm actually quite critical of it myself. Oh, okay, yep. So I do yep. consider it probably a heavily flawed film. Oh, yeah. Yep. Um, but in saying that, I can take away so much from it yeah. that I am drawn back to it. Yeah. <laughs> I get yeah, yeah. quite involved and can, you know, really take on board its message, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. I think once I'm fully invested in the film, and admittedly, it doesn't take long for me to be fully invested, especially the second half, when we start to get into the legal proceedings of Andrew's case, yeah. um, any criticisms <laughs> that yeah, I may it. have or or critiques um, or pale <laughs> in, yeah, yeah. in insignificance. So please, um, go full force. Well, it's not a film that everybody loves. And if anything... Uh, members of the queer community tend to be more critical of it ah, than the straight well, community. It's interesting you say that because I was one of the things I felt through it was that this is definitely a product of its time. Yes. I did not feel that um, it, it, its message spoke clearly. Like early on, I actually had to ask for it to be paused. Yeah. And Wayne, you had to explain to me what AIDS actually was. Yeah. Because... You know, as someone in this day and age, as, as you know, uh, maybe irresponsible or whatever you want to call it, <laughs> I've just never really learned. I've never had to face it. I've never had mm. to understand it. There are a lot more preventative measures these days. Yeah. It's not something that is seen as often in our part of society. You actually hear a lot more of it, uh, you know, over in Africa and... Uh, yes. 
things like that. So I wouldn't be able to tell you if I saw someone before this film. Yeah. If I saw someone with AIDS, I wouldn't be able to pick that straight away. Like to pinpoint yeah. it, yeah. I actually said to you, Wayne, I know more about the bubonic plague <laughs> than I do. Yes, from one type of um, lethal <laughs> disease, if you want, another. to another. Yeah. <laughs> but I think, Phil, that brings it all in about the film's context. Mm. So when was Philadelphia released and why is it that we're talking about it now? Mm. And why is it that it actually does have staying power in popular culture? Mm. Well, there's a few reasons. Philadelphia is one of the first mainstream Hollywood films that discusses homosexual relationships, homophobia, homophobia and the law, and most significantly HIV, AIDS and discrimination. It was not the first but it's one of the more major ones. So mm. we had television films uh, beforehand, um, such as And the Band Played On. Mm. There were other films throughout the 80s that brought queer culture into the forefront, yep. positively and negatively, negatively yeah. as well. There was a movie with Al Pacino called Cruising, and this was coming up when people were becoming aware of this gay plague or gay cancer as it was called Mm, there mm. and the queer community protested very strongly against Mm. that film because you're reflecting us in a really irresponsible manner Mm, mm. so what is telling about this film specifically is that we do have a juxtaposition of a wealthy white lawyer and a black lawyer who's obviously really struggled and is in an ambulance chasing lawyer really yeah, more yeah. than anything. This shows the two different upbringings of the yeah. two. One has been more privileged than the other. Yeah. You know, at one stage, Andy's partner, Miguel, makes fun of him and says, oh, it was such a rough neighborhood you grew up in. <laughs> um, because you yeah. know, Miguel is not white either. Uh, so we see the contrast there. But it's also reflective of the different civil rights movements mm. that... Um, black people in America and gays in America have had. The civil rights movements for both communities started roughly about at the same time. Mm. But when we look back, we can see the progression of the black civil rights movement Mm -hmm. and the momentum that that took. Yes, still has a long way to go, even today. But let's compare that to the gay civil rights movement. Still has a long way to go. But where it's going, it took a very long time to get there. So we've got these juxtapositions here. So there's a significance in terms of the characters and the casting, but the film in itself put HIV AIDS in the spotlight. Mm -hmm. And we can even see that it is a product of its time. Absolutely. Do Andy and Miguel have the sort of loving relationship between two men that we perhaps see depicted now? They're nurturing. They care very much for each other. Mm. They do love each other Mm. very much. They look like an ordinary couple, Mm. but let's delve deeper. Do they ever kiss on the mouth? No. No. Do they ever share a bed? No. No. We don't see any of these. Yeah, 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 and in yeah. fact, I think there was a scene where Miguel and Andy were in bed together that was actually cut from the film. Oh, Too risque. Hey, we're yeah, already yeah, bringing yeah. AIDS in the forefront. Yeah, yeah, we're yeah. already portraying this gay couple sympathetically. Yeah. Let's not alienate our audience yeah, too yeah. much. Let's not make them too uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is the time. It is treading carefully. Mm. The writer of the film, who is gay, Mm -hmm. very openly says it was not made for a gay audience, Mm. per se. It was not made for a sympathetic heterosexual audience. It was more made as an education. So sometimes even the dialogue can almost feel a bit pandering and condescending, perhaps. But 
if this is the filmmaker's intention, and I think it is, yeah. you know, from the director down, it's it's achieving what it sets out to do. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like, oh, and a good example of that is um, they get the um, African American lady up on trial on on the stand as a witness. Yes, one of Andy's and, colleagues. Yes, yes, one of Andy's colleagues, yeah. and she does this whole empowered speech about <laughs> yes. you know how you know she was discriminated too because she's a black woman and she, and I will admit yeah. That actually did feel very on the nose. It, yes. In the sense of it did feel like you've just said that very, see, see, they're the same. Yes. Can't you see they're the same? Yeah. If you can accept one, you can accept the other. Yes. Sort of thing. I, yeah. And I think, again, it, it need, well, I don't know if it needed to do it, but it was in a, I feel, feel like it felt in a position to say, and this is sometimes you will notice a lot in terms of discourse around queer civil rights, it is always well, almost always, I can't say always, because I haven't read every single thing ever written about it, but more often than not, I think, you'll see a comparison to the black rights movement. But again, they started roughly around the same time, one's progressed. There's also this mentality, and again, I'm not really speaking on anyone except for myself, and I'm not going to restrict it to one group of people or the other. I think any human being who does not fit the, uh, you know, dominant ideology... Mm has absolutely no right to be bigoted, prejudiced, or discriminated against somebody else. Yeah. Because at some level, you know what it's like. Mm. And you're right, Philip. I think that's what they're trying to say. Yeah. And they say it with a sledgehammer. Yeah, that's (laughs) Um, it. That's it. Which I will actually admit, whilst I was sitting there thinking, oh, this is a bit, you know, a bit heavy handed. Again, you look at the time and the context. I feel that was needed. Yeah. We're, We're in an era where... As you explained it to me, Wayne, that, mm. um, you know, you you sort of maybe coming out of that real hysteria of it, that real full on, full blind panic mode. What is this? Is this about to kill everyone on earth? Is, yeah. And we're, they're starting to settle down and understand, okay, well, it's, it's bad, but not that bad. And it's yeah. rah, rah, rah. But it still was at a time when, yeah, there, there are plenty of people that would have... Like today, where we have, for example, maybe the anti-vaxxer sort of thing. Yes. Or, or, or people that, uh, when you're talking about climate change, for example, yeah. you do kind of have, you can't have those nuanced talks because there's still too many people going, yeah, but. Yeah. It has you to. You need that sledgehammer to turn around and say, look, this is what it is. And you, <laughs> No, you're right. It's funny. It's a sledgehammer, but with kid gloves because it needs to be broken down bit that's by it, bit. That's it. As the lawyer keeps saying, yeah. explain it to me like I'm sick. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes, and really that's for our benefit yeah, as it. well. He does that, you know, Joe does that earlier on with the, you know, there's that hilarious opening bit mm. where the guy's like, oh, so you could have crossed at any point on the street yeah, whatsoever yeah. and you choose to walk and cross exactly where yeah. the huge hole that is covered up yeah, yeah. <laughs> with do not enter or whatever it yeah. is, you choose there. Oh, yeah, you've got a case. Yeah, you've got a case. <laughs> what's great about that moment is, A, it tells us what type of lawyer Joe is. Again, yeah. ambulance chaser. Yeah. Hey, he's got to put food on the table. His wife's so, expecting a baby. So. You know what I mean? He's worked hard for it. You know, we know where he's coming from in terms of, I guess, of his intention for law. Mm. Uh, you know, he's got a picture of Martin Luther King in his office. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. just in case we needed that little extra a hint, hint <laughs> about our themes and where we're coming from. But, you know, there's no case that he'll refute. Yeah. Andy comes up to him with a very clear case. Mm. Yes, you might argue you're, you know, clutching at straws here. You are disgruntled. 
But he's like, there's no case here. Yeah. Again, reinforcing his own prejudices. Yeah. But these prejudices that Joe has represents so many that we yeah. had and some of us still, still have. Yeah. We're coming out from the 80s where gay people are only just starting to become visible and accepted mm. as normal human beings. Now these filthy perverts are killing us. Mm. And of course, whenever we talk about the queer community, the queer community is evil because they're perverting our children. They're killing us off with their diseases. They're unnatural. Mm. All of these disgusting things that are said. We fail to see people who we see as a threat as human. Yeah, We get this reinforced throughout the film. There are protesters outside the case. It's juxtapositioned, and we see it through Joe's eyes when he attends Andy's party in his house. Yeah. And we've just got loving couples all together. Joe's probably not 100% comfortable there, but he's making efforts. Mm. And we know his wife is very comfortable with gay people. She's got no issue whatsoever. There's that beautiful sequence where... Andy is describing this opera of loss and survival. It's yeah, quite... That, I'm not going to lie, actually. That confused me a little bit. Yeah. It was nice. It yeah. was a beautiful scene. And, but I actually took it almost as a man who is at the end of his life. Yeah. So but then I sort of, my brain went, yeah, but you're still trying to fight for this thing. Yeah. Well, Why are you distracting the point with... <laughs> yeah. Why are we talking about an opera? <laughs> yeah. I think it's Andy's connecting to the story and to the pain, I guess, yeah. and the suffering. Yeah. One thing that I do like about the scene... I is just that... would have put it somewhere else, I suppose. Yeah. Well. Yeah. One thing I like about the scene is that he's almost dancing with his IV drip. Yeah, no, that was gorgeous. And, you know, we see that intensity through Joe, and I think Joe's just trying to understand as well. Mm. But I think that's when he really sees Andy as a human being who is really worthy yeah, yeah. and who is of love. Now, I'm not going to actually pretend that I fully understand the, the, the depths and the meanings of the scene, but that's just what I take yeah, from no, it and I get that. I as well. Get that, yeah. you know, but again, because we're in a time where it's still driven by fear, do we know more about HIV AIDS? Absolutely. Yeah. Are we still terrified in 1993? Yes. Let's not pretend yeah. we're not. Yeah. It happens to someone else and we don't want you yeah. there. Yeah. So for myself growing up in the 80s, HIV AIDS virus, I felt like it had always been there, but it was always scary. Yeah. 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 So in Australia, there was a very famous commercial, which you can um, YouTube it now, of the Grim Reaper playing bowling. Yes. That was the first time I'd ever heard of AIDS. And it terrified me. Yeah. 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 I think some people find it quite comical now, but again, you have to... It's comical now, but for the... You have to understand it. Yeah. That, you know, very serious narration. And that narration is fantastic because it talks about gay people, prostitutes and people who use drugs drugs, yeah with shared syringes well if they're the people who are getting this virus don't they deserve it yeah isn't that the mentality and this is what that commercial is trying to yes touch upon that that's what you might think but these people aren't the only people who can get it Mm. and we see these themes as well throughout the film Mm. so much is made up of andy's sexual life and his is he promiscuous? Mm. Don't you deserve it? A woman received the HIV virus through a blood transfusion. Mm. She doesn't deserve that. Mm. It wasn't her fault. Mm. She needed it. You deserve it because you went to a yeah, pornographic yeah, yeah. cinema and just wanted to have some fun. It's your own fault. Yeah. So Andy's slut-shamed, <laughs> if yeah. you will. Yeah. No, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he's, the status of his relationship is in question. Mm. It's done subtly at the beginning when a mm. doctor turns to Miguel. Who are you? Mm. Uh, you know, and again, there's probably no malice in it, but the way Miguel reacts to it 
tells us that it's not the first time. Yes. He's been told this. Yes. You know, who am I? Who are you? <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah. And he knows who he is. Yeah, clearly, you're a doctor. Yeah. Don't pretend that you care about Andy more than I do. Yeah. It is impossible. And also, we sometimes can't even fathom. Yes, Andy went to the cinema and had sex. He was living with Miguel at the time. Why do we automatically assume the men were in a sexual relationship at that stage? Yeah. Were they yeah. not just good mates at the time? Yeah. Maybe they were. Maybe they had an open relationship. Yeah. We're, it, we're not delved into it because yeah. why? Well, it doesn't really matter, especially when you're slut shaming somebody. Yeah, but again, we don't necessarily need to homogenize these relationships. They might be different to mainstream America, but that doesn't make them any less valid. Yeah. And I think the film tries to reinforce this as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, so, Phil, what did you think about the Miguel Andy relationship there? Was it believable? <sighs> what do you think? It's tricky because. You do have this issue of um, it's for the time, and mm. you know you can't you can't say certain things, you can't do certain things, yeah. And, and we're already pushing enough. We're already pushing the, the boundaries enough. Let, let's just leave. so again from someone here and now. I do sit there and go that. Did not look believable. Modern Family looks more believable than yes. <laughs> than this did, and that was a that's a comedy. Yeah, so. I do feel that it didn't do enough in that sense, mm. but if you look at it from its historical context, yeah, it looks as believable as something from the nineties is going to allow it to look. Yes, and again, especially as one of the first films, yeah, really. Yeah. So, I mean, it shows that it is one of the first films to talk about this topic. Yes, yes. Again, that's why it's important. That's why we're talking about it today. And that's it. And that's why, like, you know, hey, you've said, you know, you've heard a lot about it. And, you know, it's it's referenced in pop culture a lot. Again, the scene where Andy takes off his shirt in court is classic. It's, it's, you know, it's the Oscar winning scene, if you will. To to talk about the realism of their relationship, for me, there was actually, I'm just thinking of it now, there's a point where I went, why are they not? Why are they not? And it's just as simple as um, Miguel's frustrated he's worried about Andy dying mm. and they it sort of gets them on to talking it's the part where they start to talk about getting a will or getting yes a, but, but in that moment they have this bit where I know full well if it'd been a heterosexual couple they would have hugged yeah one of them would have broken down into tears or, or they would have had either that or it would have gone the other way and they would have gone a full yelling match that Broke down into the you know mm. the, the the sick husband holding the wife going it's okay it's yeah. okay yeah they weren't allowed to do either way because if they had the sensitive moment mm. and I mean it is sensitive and touching but not again if it, the way it'd been I'll tell you now if it'd been a heterosexual couple would have done it if they'd gone that sensitive way it'd been too much if they'd gone the Anger way, it would have been seen too much as oh, two bulls in a china shop, yeah, two blokes yelling at each other. They just couldn't. That scene could not win. Well, I was going to actually say, I wonder if, and you've answered it really, Mm. but I was going to say, I wonder if it would have worked for the purposes of the film and also the dynamics of the relationship. So things that we learn very early on, Andrew is very much about. Uh, structure, you know, mm, he's got mm. that wonderful moment when he's in the hospital and he's on the phone and he's just saying to himself, you know, every problem has a, a solution. solution yep. And we can see that that mentality has gotten him through life and is getting him through uh, fighting this disease. Mm. And you can tell that that's how 
I guess the relationship even with Miguel is he needs to be strong for Miguel yeah. because he needs to keep him protected. There is no law protecting Miguel mm. in terms of Andy and, you know, his yep. will, his yep. funds, yep. his property. We see that, you know, Andy wears a, a ring on his wedding finger. Mm. It's symbolic. There's nothing, There's nothing legal it, yeah. about it. Andrew's family is very loving and very supportive. Mm. It only takes one member of Andrew's family to not be. Exactly. And Miguel is disowned mm-hmm. and forgotten about and left behind. Mm-hmm. Andrew's family is an interesting element to this mm. film. And this is where one of the criticisms, I think, from critics and a little bit from me as well. <gasps> they're almost too good to be true. Yeah. There's a lot of sort of corniness, cheesiness mm. around. I mean, they have to sort of push in these dynamics in such a short amount of time. Yeah. Because really, it's not about that family life. This no, is a courtroom it. drama at the end of the day. Yeah, no, that's Do you know what I mean? If you yeah. want to strip it away, it's a courtroom drama. Yeah. That's where we want it to be. So we need to fill in all these little blanks and backgrounds. And I think, though, it points out that Andrew could not be the successful lawyer he is. Yeah. Uh, he could not fight this case without this support. Yeah. You know, yeah, okay. Yes, he probably could have, but what a, it'd be a different story altogether. That's it, which I actually remember asking you during the thing. I was mm. like, how accurate is this show? You said yeah. very accurate. Yeah. Because, again, yes, if you, if you were to extrapolate that family thing, yes, obviously they're making it super cheesy of that because tropes. And, yeah. And we've only got two hours to show this show, yeah. this film, and, and all that sort of stuff. But it's still... If 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 his family is legitimately supportive, yeah, then he had a bloody good family, yeah, for for the for the era, yeah. So in terms I mean? of the film's accuracy, I think it's quite accurate of somebody in the final stages of AIDS, um, mm-hmm. physically, uh, you know, especially that that final reel when he's mm-hmm. in hospital is heartbreaking, and again he's still keeping it together yeah. because that's what Andrew does, yeah, you know, and I think that also triggers his like, well, no, you fired me for the wrong reasons. Mm. I'm not standing up for this. You know, his father says, we've always taught you to stand up for yourself mm, and, you mm. know, to, to do what's right or this. And I guess, you know, to, to explain the way Andrew is, we look to the home. Yeah. You know, his father is saying he's quite sensitive. His brothers are he's quite loving. His sister's loving too. Mm, mm. Um, his mother is beautiful. Mm. Absolutely beautifully portrayed by Joanne Woodward. Just absolutely lovely and it sort of reiterates one of the things i like about the depictions particularly of mothers and older mothers Mm -hmm. so mothers of adults yep they never stop being mums and there's something really beautiful about Mm. it there are these moments and again i know this film is manipulative but it's serving (laughs) its purpose like i get it and this is my critique it's manipulative but i fall for it there are these moments where you see her heartbreak yeah just looking at him when his back is turned but she keeps it together all the way through, pulling his brother away yep. from him when he yep. breaks down, saying, because they know it's the last goodbye. Mm. They know it. Miguel mm. closes the door, and you can see it on his face. Finally, we are alone. Mm. Miguel's mm. frustration, you know, with Andy always, his nose in the books on his notepads, fighting this case. I want you because you're going. Yeah, you it. know, it's it's heartbreaking. Yep. But Miguel has to share these little, has to have, take these little moments as as much as he can. Mm. Yeah, you were saying, Phil. Oh, no, I was just going to say on your note of manipulation. Yeah, mm. there's... 
Definitely manipulative, but there's that's also I think, especially in this case, not a dirty word. No, it, no, it needs to be, and like we were saying before, the sledgehammer sort of stuff. It, this yeah. needs to be. This needs to use every trick in the book to get its message across. Because yeah. especially for the era, it was a, such an important yeah. message. I'd say it's still important now, but mm. it's almost now a uh, warning of the past. I think it serves as a great time capsule. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a good call. I think yeah. so. I think again because it was something so different. Yeah. And now you know, like in '93, we said people were dying from AIDS mm. or HIV. Mm. Now we say people are living with HIV. Yeah. yeah. It's not a death sentence. Yeah. In 1993, that was not fathomable. No, that's. I good. think the world was hoping for it. Yeah. But it wasn't. And what had we seen before Philadelphia? I remember watch as a you know as a kid as a youngster. I remember watching an episode of Oprah where she had an HIV positive man on the show, and he was talking about his experiences of being discriminated against mm. in his small town. A lot of the members of the audience, if not all of them by memory, were members of his community, and oh, people wow. in the audience confronted him. He's there by himself on that stage, wow. and Oprah's going talking to him, and she is sympathetic. She's sympathetic to him. Mm-hmm. And people are commenting. Some are saying, you deserve it. Mm. You never prayed hard enough. There's this one woman who got up and actually said, uh, you came to my door one day asking if you could if you could use the bathroom. And I said, well, no, you couldn't because of... And she made up an excuse. And she said, that was not true. I'm truly sorry for doing that. And there was this whole thing because he was in a swimming pool and everyone was terrified. Mm. He's in a swimming pool. Anyone else in the pool is going to catch this disease. This is the hysteria. And it's not too soon before the release of Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that type of thought process takes forever to shake off. Oh, most certainly. So if you've got somebody like Oprah, who is on this huge scale of syndication, talking about this, she's not creating this stuff. The show isn't creating this stuff. It's reflective of the consciousness. Yes, is it different in New York City than it is in the small Texan town? Absolutely. But the thought processes of people who don't know any better surely is the same. Mm. It's that whole thing. Don't shake my hand. Don't touch me. I don't want to, you know, don't kiss me. Don't don't do anything. This happens to other people. And when it happens to other people, they deserve it. So, again, it's just, you know, I guess I can't reiterate enough how important the film is, especially as a a time capsule. And, again, why I forgive its many (laughs) flaws, Um, you know. Well, I'm curious... For you to mm. when you say flaws, yeah, what are we talking? Are we talking? I think visual. Are we talking? No, you know, contextual? Like, yeah, I think. Look, I, I mean, you can't fault it in terms of the context because it was aiming to do something. Yep, it achieved it. Yep. Visually, I love the way it's filmed. I love the close-ups. I love the Dutch angles. I was going to say actually, there's some of the close-ups annoyed me. Yeah, and it wasn't because. Was, I felt some of the close-ups were just overused a little bit. Yeah. I know some of them were there to make you feel uncomfortable and, and sort of in, funny in, in your face. face yeah. or, but it's just a couple of... T- after a bit, I was just like, okay, we get it, close-ups. <laughs> and, and they were being used, I felt, almost at the wrong time. Okay. Again, if you're if you're accepting... And it's, this is always hard for me because I do love a good cliche. Yeah. If I've told you once, I've told you a thousand times, I love a good cliche. <laughs> and so... And tropes, I think, are there for a very specific and good reason. Yeah. But just uh, sometimes if you overuse something, mm. it, it sort of loses its meaning. So I felt they were using them even at times that you didn't need that emotion. You didn't need that uneasiness. Okay. And so 
it made all the other times that they did it less powerful for me. Okay. Because I just felt that it was like, at first, you know, it was done mainly when, you know, it was the, the lawyers and the this and the yeah. that. And, oh, look, we're we're evil and we're... <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? Sort yes. Of, as, a, as a shorthand. But then they'd do it with the good guys too, but it wasn't a nice filtered yeah. close-up. It was still that awkward, hard. And, and you're like, okay, I think you're trying to be sympathetic and nice and close-up and you're yeah. making the exact same thing as you did with your bad guys. Okay. And so for me, it then lost it. It became less of a, oh, this is a, a shorthand return to use and more of a, oh, so this is just a style you're going it, for. It's a style choice, yeah. And, and to me, because that style choice is associated with very strong uh, emotions, mm-hmm. it just, it, it absolutely, it actually took me out of the movie a couple of times. Oh, okay. See, because I actually like that style choice. I think it's, you know, it's the point of views of the different mm. characters. Yeah, I can see where you're coming from because mm-hmm. usually those intense close-ups are reserved for hyper, you know, dramatic moments That's and things it. like that. And I understand the idea of oh, you got to try new things. Yeah, and, gotta, and oh, well, this was done different. But as a movie maker, you have to also understand that, like it or not, mm. shorthands are exist and you're going to produce a yeah a certain feeling of. I wonder if it was because. You know, they, they've in Jonathan uh, Demi has introduced the you know the extreme close-ups and, and the point of views, especially you know when the the law firm partner notices mm-hmm. the lesion on Andy's forehead, we see it zoom up and down mm-hmm. and things like that. I wonder if that's introduced and maintained all the way through to yes, show maybe a more personal point of view, but perhaps also in the final reel where the camera goes off kilter. From Andy's point of view. So we understand it. We go, yeah. well, we've seen point of views before. You know, we've seen these in, these intense yeah, close-ups. Yeah. So now when suddenly for a significant portion of mm. the, the, the last act, uh, it's off Keltar, it's a Dutch angle. Mm. We get that that's Andy deteriorating. Yeah, no, I suppose, yeah. Yeah, that's probably the more I could draw maybe. from it. And maybe why I don't... Mind it as much. Yeah, yeah. For me, when I talk about flaws, and I don't mind about the um, the narrative yep. uh, tropes. Again, they exist for a reason. Mm-hmm. I think it was some of the dialogue that's a bit heavy. Yeah, no, uh, I see that. You know, but again, I understand it's shorthand. It's kind of like again when Andy's around with his family. Mm. You know, they call each other brother. Well, little brother. Well, brother. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. It's just so we can, and I get it. So we can understand who everyone is when we've got the employee on the stand talking about how she's felt discriminated against because of her African heritage, mm. uh, you know, the stuff she says, a lot of it's hearsay. Yeah. Does that fly in court? Yeah. No. It's just little moments yep. like that. And again, I'm nitpicking, but I feel like I need to because, well, A, they exist. <laughs> and yeah. B, because the film achieves what it sets out to do, yeah. but it doesn't feel like a flawless film. Yeah. It's a film that I will go back to. It's not one that I watch uh, every year. It's yeah. a, it's a punch in the guts. But yeah. it's, yeah. uh, it's well made. And I think it holds up well today. Yep. So, Philip, with your contemporary brain on and not the 1993 <laughs> brain on. Yeah, sure, sure. And I guess really because I thought about bringing this film to you because earlier on, uh, quite mm. a few episodes ago, we looked at I Love You, Philip Morris. Yep. 
And one of the comments I had made was that I didn't believe that the character of Jim Carrey was suffering from AIDS. That was really, it was like, no, he doesn't look like somebody who is dying from the disease. And you had said, well, I actually don't know what somebody dying from the disease, you know, looks like. It's a different review and we understand why it is what it is. <laughs> but that sort of planted my seed. It was like, oh, okay. And you and I aren't really that many years apart. Yeah. But growing up in these different eras, me, 80s, you, 90s, mm-hmm. the conversations were different. As somebody with a contemporary brain on, not a 1993 one, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. did the film work as an education? Because really, that's what it aimed to do in 93. I would say... Yes, with an asterisk. Yeah, so what's the asterisk? The asterisk is the simple fact that I actually, at the start of the film, had to get you to pause it, and I had to ask a series of questions to catch myself up. There was a lot of assumed knowledge. Yes. So they do this pan of the the doctor's office, and he's getting a blood test, and uh, there's a guy that's sort of jaundice or sort of shrunken in the face. And then at the end of this scene, we see a guy with lesions and stuff like that. I About there, I ask Wayne to pause and I say, could you explain to me what just happened? Yeah. Because I legitimately thought he was in a... What, what it is, it's him getting tested for the disease. He's he, he believes he's got it, all this sort of stuff. It, I thought he was just getting uh, donating blood yeah, to the blood yeah. bank. So, yeah. And that it happened to have... You know, someone, again, I don't look at a shrunken face and go, oh, AIDS. Yes, exactly. I go, that person has a shrunken face. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't until I saw the guy with the lesions and then I went, oh, is this all connected? I thought in the movie we were going to see, not him actually contracted, but we were going to see him pre and then post, whereas we actually start with him... Post. Yes, and so this is the the status Mm. that Andrew is at is what... I'm not sure if this is the this isn't the technical term, but yeah, it's what yeah. we would call full blown AIDS. So yeah. you know, you contract the HIV virus, that is not lethal, mm. that does not kill you. Mm. If it progresses to the next level, which is AIDS, mm-hmm. that's where things get a bit yeah. serious. Yeah. And when we begin the film, that's where Andrew is at. Yeah. Now So he's getting if, like a blood transfusion and he's checking his T-cell count. Yeah. yeah. Now, if I'd watched this by myself, mm. and that could have happened because like, this has been on my bucket list yeah. for a while, I wouldn't have a clue into that until a lot later. And even then, I probably wouldn't have made that connection. Right. Um, especially because it keeps jumping, you know, six weeks later, yes. two months later. Yeah. I probably wouldn't have quite made that connection until we first see him with... A lesion in the office. Yeah, just getting promoted. Getting promoted. Yeah, gets I mean, promoted, and that's then that's about you go. the point I would have gone. Oh, okay, he got it at some point. Yes. When, what did I miss? <laughs> yes, and look, admittedly, and then it wouldn't be up until around the party when Andrew tells Joseph, "Hey, I've had a blood transfusion, so I'm feeling fine." Right, mm-hmm. right. That you would then go, "Oh, that's what yeah. he was having." At to be honest, time. I probably would have. If I had to make a guess by myself, I actually would have thought he'd picked it up during his oh, okay. uh, blood donation. Yeah. And so that's where you're thinking, oh, I, you know, if I don't know the sort of the course of things, mm. you know, you don't jump so quickly from one stage, stage to the other, well, not in 93 anyway. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, but there's his, you know, blood transfusion to help mm. keep him alive and mm. you can tell he's fine with his routine. So with all of that in mind, yeah. even let's just assume... That I understand the disease, yeah, and all that sort of stuff. I think it definitely you're you're cl- much closer to the mark with it being a 
time capsule. Yeah. I actually feel, and this may be very naive, that it doesn't actually have a place these days other than it being a, a time, time capsule, something, yeah. this is where we came from, because the disease isn't as deadly and prevalent as it once was. So is this, for lack of a better term, an education that you don't feel you... I'm going to give you multiple choice. Yeah. <laughs> Need, want, or you feel you could find better elsewhere. Hmm. Uh, it, that, is, that is tough because, yeah. again, it depends on what you want the educational outcome to be. Yes. If well, you speaking for to, yourself. Yeah. So, yeah. so as a historical piece, your time capsule, yeah. I think this is needed. Yeah. Um, I definitely wanted it. It was a good good movie and it definitely you know taught me a lot about it especially through from subsequent conversations yeah but in terms of a hey guys gay people aren't that bad they're not they're not these but it's not needed these days i i really don't i think we've got better materials out there we've mm-hmm. got better uh we've got better things out there these days to really show what the 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 queer community is yeah what, 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 all, all, all that sort of all that sort of educational stuff that it's trying to do we've now got better things to do it okay. do we have something that uh, teaches people about AIDS maybe not because that has again maybe not 110% but the risk we have of it in the western world today is dropped significantly yeah um, we now focus on it in Africa. Yes. We now focus on it in developing countries because that's where it's really become rampant again. Yeah. Um, there's no point talking about the bubonic plague as a warning, be careful of this, because we haven't had issues of it since the 1500s. Yeah. <laughs> so that's sort of where my head's at. But I also, I'm not, I don't want to say that the film is worthless. I don't want to say that mm. it's something that's not important. Definitely important for its time and now definitely important for very different reasons. Yeah. I mean, in the context of queer cinema, mm. it has to be discussed yeah. because of it's yeah. so significant. We talked a little bit about the filming style. We you know, disagreed a little bit there. Yeah. Uh, but if we sort of narrow in on, I think, what really sold the movie mm-hmm. and I think what makes it a successful film, mm-hmm. the performances. Oh, most certainly. Yeah. Oh. So uh, Tom Hanks has reflected and he does a great interview in a film called The Celluloid Closet. So if you're yep. interested in queer cinema history, that's a beautiful time. Oh, yeah, yeah, a beautiful yep. documentary about it. Uh, there are other people involved in the, in the film Philadelphia who uh, talk about it. But Tom Hanks says something, he goes, uh, something along the lines, and I'm paraphrasing, there was something about the timing of the film Mm. and when it came out. And, you know, you've got people there standing at the cinema, you know, do I watch that action movie? Do I watch this? Do I watch Mm. that? Let's see that AIDS movie with Tom Hanks. Yeah, let's see that. (laughs) Who has that conversation? Yeah. But it happened. And I feel it happened because of, Hanks himself. Yes. So yes. Feel, how did you feel about Tom Hanks as a, as a performer Tom in this film? Tom Hanks... Tom Hanks is, just as a general rule, a very good actor. Yes. I love his work. And before um, this, he was in beautifully trashy 80s comedies. Yeah. You know, it's, he showed his worth as yeah. an actor. If anyone was doubting his worth as an actor, he showed it here, but yeah. yeah. No, most certainly. Yeah. So I definitely think this portrayal, especially as someone that isn't gay yeah 
his portrayal of this was superb. Mm. He's Denzel Washington. Yes. I mean, that transformation arc is, I think, even almost a little bit more powerful than Tom Hanks's mm. character because Tom Hanks is on that one sort of level. Obviously, yes. he's sicker, but well, he doesn't really. A, yeah, sorry, I was going to say he doesn't really have that that growth arc that no, that's that it. Denzel's character because. Well, and he doesn't need to grow. He's no, settled, you know that's what I mean? It, yeah. Exactly. So, Denzel's character, very much that, that arc from absolute hate mm. to... And, and he didn't even take it too far. I mean, obviously, no. a lot of that's the writing. But yeah. by the end of it, he's not sitting there going, you know, oh, yeah, I love the gays. They're, they're all great. But he still has that little spite and wariness. And, and, oh, you think really, by the end of the film? He oh, does? I, I think so, yeah. Yeah. I think he's still... I do not think by the end of the film he is going to turn around and, you know, like in his pub. Yeah. That little speech about, oh, oh I hate, I still hate him, but uh, it's the law. Yeah. I think by the end of the film, he's probably in the pub, he'd just sort of still laugh along with the jokes, but it'd be that sort of, ha <laughs> uh, Yeah. Sort of thing. Okay. He's gotten a respect. I don't think he's still happy with the whole thing, but... <laughs> As I th- it were. Well, I think he's gone from that moment of not seeing gay people as humans mm. to seeing them as humans. Yeah. I think that's the significance of him hugging Miguel at the yes, end. Yes, yes. More than anything. Yes, we won the legal battle. And Andy helps Joe mm. so much. Oh, yeah. Not only in terms of shedding away the prejudices. Yep. And showing the injustices. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that, you know, when Joe approaches Andy in the library when that librarian is saying, you know, would you like to be in a private room? Will that make you more comfortable? Joe's seeing discrimination unfold. He's seeing what it looks like because, and, you know, it's said by Andy's parents, Mm -hmm. we didn't raise it a bit, sit in the back of the bus. That's it exactly. That's what that scene in the library is. Go go in the back of the bus away from everybody else. Mm -hmm. That segregation is there. Yep. That's what Joe is seeing. And again, earlier we'd seen a picture of Martin Luther King in his office. Yep. Yep. He obviously knows his people's history, mm. his community's history. Mm. It is the exact same thing. And as he, no, start, he starts off with, it's the law. I'm not, yeah, we're not it. discriminating here. That personal journey, I think, is encapsulated in that scene with where Andy's listening and explaining the opera ballad. Mm-hmm. I think he. I think he. He accepts the gay community. At the end, is he marching in the gay pride parade? No. no. But is he going to let his aunt touch his daughter and hold her? Yeah. No. Yes. I get. Probably. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I. I would say so. Yeah. The. You're right. The. The journey that Denzel Washington's character Joe goes on. It's not complete. But no. It's definitely, he makes that it change. Is there. Most certainly. Well, yeah, because I feel like having gone through all of that and being mm. beside. Andy, just moments before he passes, I don't know how that cannot affect you as a human being, that you've invested in this as well. The result of the case is read out, and Andy's not there, and he should be. And also, Andy legitimizes Joe as a lawyer. Yep. Throughout the whole film, here's my card, hey, TV guy, yeah, rah, rah. Mm. He's in the elevator at the end, there's a guy who he would normally give a card to. He doesn't need to now. Mm. He's taken seriously as a lawyer. Yeah. And Andrew did that for yes, him. Yes, that's it. I agree with you, Phil. Tom Hanks is absolute perfection in this film. And Tom Hanks is a wonderful actor and leading man. 
because he's not threatening. Yeah. He's not this sort of action hero, uh, but he's not dismissible as a, as a lead. He's a charming everyday man. He has mm. this persona about him and we needed yeah. mainstream America. And I will talk about America because that's where I think yes, the film hit yes, home yes. the most. Mainstream America needed that that portrayal. Yes. And he had to be that. It could not be yep. anybody else. Yep. Denzel Washington, again, this beautiful masculine man, street smart, but also academic smart mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. That's how he needed to be. Mm. I do want to point out as well some of the sort of more supporting characters, Jason Robards mm. as Charles, so the the big honcho yep. <laughs> who has that beautiful gruff voice. And, oh, yeah. You know, his scenes with Andy at the very beginning are quite beautiful. It's a yeah. father and son thing. You can see that when he talks about on the stand, you know, we sort of took him under our wing, we moulded him, yeah. we shaped him, all of this stuff. We invested so much in him. Mm. Charles feels betrayed by Andrew. Yeah. And this is where the hatred comes from. Yeah. And I think this is common and I, probably not now, but definitely at the time and most definitely earlier on, mm. between the heterosexual and homosexual relationships, mm. that straight people feel betrayed by the gay people in their lives mm. because you are not what I think you are. Yeah, it's yeah. never reflected upon that the whole coming out process is enforced by straight people. Yeah. yeah. It is done because straight people demand it. And gay people being in a minority have no choice but to yep. adhere to it. Yep. Why? Because it's a position of power. Yeah. Yep, yep. When you're the dominant ideology, as heteronormative people are, they're not going to let go of that power. Mm. And it's we still see it today. Oh, yeah. You know, it's, you know, it's more disgust and things like that. Mm. We're curious and all of these things. But Jason Robards is so beautiful in that role yes. because he is... You see him being fatherly. You see him being really assertive, being aggressive. You see him being hurt. And there is that moment that when Andy collapses in the courthouse, you know, he does say, get an ambulance. Someone get that man a get, doctor. Yeah, yeah, you know, get get him some medical attention. Mm. Mary Steenbogen as the lawyer. Mm. Oh. oh, my God, that was so hard. Yeah. You, you, you got really annoyed at her, didn't you? Oh, yeah. And isn't it because she just delivered the most perfect performance yeah. in that role? It oh, was, most certainly. It was this consistent... I don't want to say passive-aggressive, but, you know, she has that moment mm. where she turns to her colleague and she says, mm, I, hate, I, hate this, I, hate, I hate this trial. Yeah, yeah, I hate this. She doesn't want to do it, but she has to be professional. Yep. And she's holding back every single emotion within her mm. because, as a lawyer, she has a duty of care to her clients, yeah. not to Andrew yeah. and not to the greater picture. But, yeah, what were your thoughts on, on, on yeah, her no, character? That, that's it. Right up until she made that comment. Yeah. I just wanted to smack her down. Yeah. I actually said, if that was done, if she said what she said to a contemporary yeah. jury, they would have had to close court because the jury <laughs> member would have got up and smacked her. Yeah. But once she mumbled that line under her breath to her colleagues, my entire view changed. Yeah. I was like, oh yeah, she's a professional lawyer. She... It doesn't matter whether you agree with them or not. Yeah. It matters as to what your fi- case you're fighting. Yeah. And again, you just have to respect she's doing the job she's doing. I mean, you know, was she, is she that much different to Andy who at the very opening scene of dialogue, he's talking about a construction site that potentially has harmful uh, powder or dust or substances mm. that could affect children, mm. <laughs> you know? And he's like, well, no, it's... You know, I know it's it's probably a far stretch to compare the two based on those elements, but lawyers do what they do. Yeah, they have to do. Ex- exactly. Excellent lawyers, which 
both of these people are mm. and Joe becomes yes. work within the confines of the law because mm-hmm. they respect the law. Mm-hmm. If you're not going to respect the law, what are you doing practicing it? And you work it towards your favor. And at the end of the day, who presents the best argument? Yes. Yeah. So the court case itself took pretty much half of the film. I like that it. we go away from it sometimes to yeah. go back home. I think that's just kind of nice. Yep. It um, breaks it up. It makes yeah. it, stops it being... To be honest, if it had been solely a court case, you would have gotten bored. Yeah. The audience would have lost it. Yeah, I think so. And especially, again, because like how we said, it has to break down a lot of tomes and things like yep. that because it needs the average audience member to stay with them. Yeah. It, we need to we need to stay that's on board. It, and it. even if we don't always understand everything, I think we get the gist of it, especially because the American judicial system is different to, yeah, to Australia yeah, yeah. and and so forth. Um, but yeah, but the performances I think are really good. Um, Antonio Banderas as Miguel doesn't have a lot to do, but you just see that loving tenderness as mm, well. Mm. Yes, the relationship is is mute, is muted down or mm. watered down. But that's not it to has do to with be. acting. That's no. got everything to do with with script with 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 the script, script and, and again yeah. and the purpose. Yeah. Um, and, and again, you know, I don't feel whilst you know it didn't go to a distance that I think maybe everyone wanted it to. It shows enough. We learn enough about them. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, I. I can't floor any of the performances in this film at all. I think they're top-notch. I think they're really good. Yeah, I mean, Tom Hanks won the Oscar for this film. And his Oscar acceptance speech inspired a film. Oh, did it? Yes. Go on. A film starring Kevin Kline called In and Out. So in Tom Hanks' acceptance speech, Mm -hmm. he acknowledges two gay men from, you know, I think it was from when he was in high school. Mm Mm-hmm. And the idea of, oh, what if an you know, award-winning actor outs someone accidentally? And oh. that became the premise of uh, the comedy In and Out uh, with Kevin Klein. Um, Joan Cusack is in it, and she was actually nominated for an Oscar for her performance in that film. And In and Out's also a, f- it's a fun movie. It's not heavy like this. <laughs> if you haven't seen it before, source it. Have we'll, a laugh. We'll have to make it a Fred watch. We'll have to do it. Um, yeah. And again, you know what, Phil? You'll, I think you'll like it because it just takes every single gay cliche and stereotype <laughs> and runs with it. Yeah, yeah. But it's done in jest and humor, that's I think. It, and, and again, like it's all about the leading man. Kevin Klein is not a threatening That would be a really likeable. good one because I've, always, I've really, really, really want to talk about one day the idea of stereotypes and tropes. And how they're and used. How they're used and how you're allowed to use them. <laughs> okay, so so in, in and Out is on the list. Done. Yeah, um, and it's actually quite significant, but we won't talk about it too much because we're going to talk yeah. about it later. Yep. But it in itself is actually quite significant in the realms of American queer cinema. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, for, yeah, for just, again, uh, a few other reasons. Mm-hmm. So we've talked about Philadelphia. Its legacy is there, I think. Yep, most certainly. Um, again, so I'm really I'm glad that you uh, were on board to watch this film because I was really yeah. interested for somebody with fresh eyes yeah, yeah, yeah. to see it who didn't have sort of that pre-knowledge yep. that people who grew up in the 80s and were adolescents in the yeah, 90s yeah, yeah. had this social awareness and consciousness of it. Uh, the film is incredibly impactful to me still. I think it's a really strong film. So, Philip, I'm curious your final thoughts and to score out of five for Philadelphia <sighs> so I would definitely I'll actually start off with the score and I'd give it a good four out of five <laughs> um, it definitely 
shows its age. Yeah. It definitely... I'll tell you now, you show this to teenagers now, mm. they will look at it and go, what? Okay. Because if I'm questioning... The, um, again, unless they've, yeah. unless they've uh, been specifically brought up with certain terminology and certain knowledges, they will go, huh? Yeah. Um, I'll know that um, AIDS is actually, sadly... Uh, a, a laughing point on the internet for dank memes. And so I do think the next generation will look at this with less reverence yep. um, if they're not careful. Yep. <laughs> I guess because in the social consciousness, the severity of AIDS That's it. isn't in our faces because it's not as severe, if you will, now. So we're like, oh, we can make fun of that. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Shame on you, internet. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Philip, go on. Um, but definitely as a historical I just I have to go back to you saying time capsule yeah as a historical time capsule as a message from the past as as a beautiful piece of queer cinema I definitely would say this is a need to watch for everyone absolutely beautiful film yeah well we've come a long way <laughs> since <laughs> 1993 uh, films with queer leading characters are common now. Mm. And especially recently, mm. <laughs> films with gay characters as leads who don't die in the end, because yeah. that is a typical trope, <laughs> are really common mm. and aimed at an adolescent audience because, you know, adolescents are just a lot more open-minded. Yeah. You know, uh, every generation, I think, impresses compared to the one before <laughs> it in terms of its progression and mm. and its and its thoughtfulness and, and mindset and i sometimes think we don't give teenagers <laughs> enough oh, credit yeah, 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 yeah. uh sometimes we give them too much credit but yeah. i think we don't give them <laughs> enough credit in terms of philadelphia it reflected a time when we were terrified of this disease and it was being discussed on tv a lot mm. So some popular American and Canadian TV shows that talked about AIDS openly and sympathetically. So The Golden Girls, Designing Women, Degrassi High. These shows made sure that we were having the conversation Mm. for all these different audiences and demographics. And again, these episodes of these shows are very much worth watching if you can source them. I feel like that... Philadelphia remains important because, at least in an Australian context, the HIV virus is a lot more contained. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There are preventative medications and pills men particularly take Mm -hmm. uh, to prevent infection and passing the disease on. We are at a level now, which I never thought I would experience in my lifetime, that even somebody who is HIV positive has a minimal chance of passing the disease on to somebody else. Mm. That is magic yeah. to think yeah. that. Is it a cure? No, but it is so close. Yeah. And also so much so that I read in an article not too long ago that doctors in Australia said, it's essentially a non-issue. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what a way to come from in, a few, yeah. you know, in quite a few decades, this disease that was allowed to develop to be prevalent Mm. and to kill millions of men women and children because 
it started in Western society, in the queer culture. Mm. And because we look down on our queer community, it was happening to them. They deserved it. Mm. We're not going to do research yeah. on this. Yeah. It happened to people who were de- had drug addictions. Mm. They're low lives. They deserve it. It happened to people who were sex workers. They're immoral. They deserve it. That harmful mentality yeah. of heteronormativity from a dominant ideology has caused so much damage. Oh, yeah. And, again, a film like Philadelphia did not completely turn the tide. No, but it... It was a part of it. Yeah. Yeah. I'd even say, just from my limited knowledge, a big part of it. I've talked about how the film has a little bit of flaws, but it served its purpose. Mm. It's a beautiful film. Purposely manipulative, but as you said, (laughs) Philip, in a good way. Because it's serving to educate people and what some great films do is yes pull out all of these cliches (laughs) but to say have a bit of compassion um yeah look it's it it is a it's a beautiful film and i think one most worthy discussion on this world aids day four and a half out of five yep so an acknowledgement of so many beautiful human beings who have lived who are living with the disease around the world, we have a lot more to do. We're signing off. I've been Wayne Stellini. And I've been a Philip Hunting. And you've, you've just, just experienced, experienced Fred, Fred Watch. Cue music. Cue music.